Hey guys, so this is a special episode of the Painter File Podcast. I am actually, I've been, I've been playing with kind of the idea of messing around and giving you little snippets of some of my favorite episodes I've ever done, because to some of you, you are only four episodes in, but to others of you, you are 52 episodes in. So I just want you to uh, take in some of my favorite episodes. So yeah, my wife Alec is actually a really great writer and she has like this really incredible imagination. And today we're actually just going to talk about, uh, I normally tell you art school stories and we kind of talk about topics and whatnot. Today uh, we're actually going to have a really special episode because we're going to talk about the idea of conception and then bringing it into something that you can actually feel and, you know necessarily taste but you know touch (laughs) and it should be it should be pretty interesting actually so like I said my wife is a writer she's uh pretty cool at it she does (laughs) she's she's modest too but um yeah you know I'm just gonna ask her a couple questions and go like so being someone who writes for like sci-fi stuff like do you find it hard because I know in my experience like I had to work up to getting to the point where like making things and imagining things and then making them a reality took me about 10 to 15 years to really get to the point where I professionally could just do it and it's not that I don't have a hard time with it it's not I don't I don't want anyone to get the impression that like you get to this point in your life where like it doesn't have any issues that you won't do anything but like you see it in your head you have a concept and then you like roll with it so um i don't for me it depends on what i'm writing so i don't just write sci-fi stuff i also do you know some blogging uh review type things uh you know so it, it depends for for like just kind of review analytical type writing it's not hard to do it you kind of just form your opinion and you just throw it out there although I will say that I am way better under pressure and that is just code for I procrastinate <laughs> so when I'm under the gun it's easier for me to kind of throw it out there when people are like you need to do this it's time um, but creatively it's harder to build that up because I have this really great idea in my head or I'll have a concept but then I have to actually sit down and write it and that is where it becomes like hard it's like putting you know you see you see something in your head and you, but you have to actually paint it and I see something in my head and I actually have to write it and I don't know for you if, if that's something that you see it and it kind of sticks to an image because you're a very visual person so I mean you kind of have these things that will stick in your head um, with writing, I could have a really, really cool idea, but then, like, if I don't write down an idea right away or a thought right away, sometimes it'll stew until it's, like, mush, and it's not, uh, it's not as good. Like, it's a big, nice sentence, and then it's, like, and he was cute. <laughs> so, I mean, for me, it's that it's about motivating yourself to do it and, you know, taking that initiative as soon as it forms, which isn't easy. No, I get that. I get that. I, I do kind of a similar thing with, like, the little sketchbooks and stuff. Like, I'll, I get, like, an idea, and then I kind of make, like, a little bit of it and put it together so that it's it's not necessarily, like, the actual thing I'm going to do, but it's such, like, a raw kind of, like, 
whetting my appetite almost so when I get back to it it's not I'm not just going off of a memory of what I thought it was more so on like at least kind of like I'm leaving myself like breadcrumbs almost I'm terrible with that uh, I have like a million notebooks like I think for Christmas my brother bought me a notebook because my brother is also an artist and he draws and he has tons of notebooks and sketchbooks a lot like how Jay fills his out how uh, you fill yours out and I I see them I have them sitting in my bag like my purse or I have them on me and I look at them and I go oh that's nice and then I, I either end up I have really ridiculous uh, headers in my phone notes, like my cell phone has, you know, notes like everybody does, and I'll have things that are like, I think I titled it Watch Notes once, so I could do a TV show review, and it's just kind of where I generally have been throwing ideas, or I'll have names of fictions, and I'll be like, oh, I'll just throw it in there, so I have these notebooks that are really pretty and sit around, and I either write in my phone, or sometimes like post-it notes from that I steal from work, which you know I'm I've admitted to stealing on something publicly <laughs> now, but that's fine. Well, on the upside, nobody listens to this, so it's perfectly. That's fine. not true. <laughs> I'm just kidding, guys. I'm just kidding. All, okay, I know listen. you guys listen. Thank you very much. I'm just joking. Exactly. That's something that's not going to happen. That's what makes this really a special episode. Is that there's if there's any self-deprecation, it's not going to happen because I'm not going to let it happen <laughs> for him. I mean, I'll I'll talk crap about myself for forever. No, I think the funny thing is, like, my notes are so abstract. Like, the note in my phone right now is Left Eye's Secrets. (laughs) Because, not the singer. No, no, no. Um, No, because, you know, I get the, I get, I I see, I like my eye, and then suddenly I'll put my hand over my eye, and I just kind of let it show me what it wants to show me, and then I make notes of all of it, and then. Sometimes I make paintings about it. Sometimes I just contemplate it. But it's just... It's its funny how it works out. Like, you just make all these things and you do all this stuff. And you, you try and, like, cobble together and piece together something. It's not quite like baking a cake. It's more like kind of going into the woods and then trying to come out with made a cake. <laughs> I think it's more... It's definitely not baking. If you bake, you have to follow, like, step by step. There's no... As far maybe for other people, and maybe this is why I've, I have it. Like you know, I, I write like a crazy person. Um, but I have found that it, it's you kind of have to put out what you can put out when it comes. I mean, I've had things where I've written scenes or paragraphs or stuff that have been. If I'm lucky, it's the intro and it's the beginning. But if I'm just kind of if something just strikes, then you have to write out a conversation, a dialogue, a point that you're going to make and write it or do it whatever that means for you and in your mode of expression and uh, for me otherwise it's lost so if i might have to write like if i'm writing a story like a big action scene or a passionate dialogue scene or something and it has no bearing on where i actually am in the process of telling the story or or making a narrative but if i don't write it down i'll lose it so i think you just kind of have to create as it comes and if it's not in order or sequence it's okay that's kind of, again, what I've found. I, and maybe for painting, too, although I don't know that there is a starting point. I've, I've seen people, I knew somebody who used to draw, when they would draw pictures of people, they would draw the bodies first and then the heads, which was completely bizarre to me. But, I mean, it worked for them. I feel like I'd make, like, a head that's way too big for a body. If I, I feel like that. I'd do the opposite. <laughs> like, it would be small, or I don't know. I just, I always start with heads. I start, faces. With, I start with the eyes. Face, yeah. I, eyes are good I've, to start. I've, I don't know why. I've already done I've done it for so long. 
and every professor or teacher has chastised me for it. They've really been pissed off at me for doing it. They're like, no, you're not doing it right. you got to do the oval head first. And I was like, I've met a lot of people, and I've drawn a lot of people in my time, and not everybody's got an oval-shaped head. That's really weird, though, because I've always drawn eyes first if I'm not drawing the head first. Like, eyes are easy to start with. They hate it so much. Well. <laughs> they get so mad at me. They're like, no, you don't do that. You have to do it this way. And I'm just like, eh, the hell with that. That's kind of weird. I guess they're trying to teach a technique, so I can't really speak yeah, to that. But it's I... like an old technique that, it's like an old, a super traditional, like, old technique that they do with it. And I've told people for years, like, you don't, especially, you know, now we're on episode 43 of all things. Um, I've told you guys over and over again, I mean, you don't need to go to art school to be a great artist. It's nice to be able to go to art school if you can. You're going to meet a lot of really cool artists. And you're going to just... You're, gonna, you're probably going to learn more from your friends who you make. who are very. It's like the most talented people you ever meet. And you're probably going to learn more from them than you are your professors. But it's kind of like a meeting place. A common ground where you all run across each other. Because I, unlike 90% of the other people I know... I am constantly always painting, like, all the time, all the time. I'm painting in my head, I'm painting on canvas, I'm painting on paper, I'm painting here, I'm painting there, and I'm always making and I'm always doing things. And so I've lost my train of thought. No. Ah, <laughs> really? No, I've, um... <laughs> That's messed up. It happens. Uh, I know. Um, what was I saying? Um... No, we just... It's, it's very easy to get so caught up in making... That you don't, you don't do enough with the people around you. So I make it a point to always kind of stop myself when I get to a point where I'm not sure what I'm going to do next. And I step out of my studio and I walk away and I get some water and I hang out with you or the dog. Sometimes the dog. You hang out with <laughs> the, the dog. The cat so forces much. me to hang out with her because she comes in here and she wrecks things. But, yeah, you know, I, I try to be better about being social. It's so easy with all these extra... I have so many, like, so many plates in the air all the time. And a lot of artists are kind of this way. I mean, they may not have a YouTube and a, fa- and, and a podcast and a book, art book and, you know, constantly be making art and then going places and then introducing themselves as an artist and whatnot. Like, maybe they're just doing one of those things. But they're doing them to such a such an intensity that oftentimes you forget to just kind of go out and just be and do and be a part of anything. I think that's a super beautiful sentiment and a thing to say. And unfortunately, I, like, do the opposite. <laughs> I know that you've caught me. Like, it, it, Here's the thing. For me, I keep saying that, but with writing that I've done you know, most of the time I can be social and bounce ideas off of people, but once I'm in it, I have to stay in it. Otherwise, I can, again, it's about, like, not losing it. Or, like, sometimes it does help to get up and do so. Not just to, to interact with people, but to kind of give yourself a break and let things breathe. But sometimes, like, the only way I can make myself do it is to just sit down and, and be in it for as long as it takes. And I think that's a little bit, too, trying to stave off things like a block, because a block a lot of the time I know sometimes for people it's just that you cannot think of anything but I think I I don't remember who said it it might have been like I'm sure it was somebody even before then but I know the most recent one I think was Amanda Palmer was saying that a block is not because you don't have anything to give it's that you don't have anything you think is worth it 
like you don't think it's anything that's worth dirtying I, a, a I canvas with that. or I totally or, agree with or that. filling a word document or writing up your page so I, sometimes i just have to sit and stare and make myself do it anyway um and that kind of takes how long it takes i definitely don't try to be antisocial but no i don't think you're antisocial i, I mean no because I, I am social that's my problem i need to stop talking and start <laughs> writing stuff again like I find the best way, I mean, I've said this before on the podcast, but I find the best way to get out of a block is to just make stuff you hate. <laughs> like, just, you're you're not going to make anything that you're happy with or you're okay with or anything of that nature until you keep making until you feel like you are again. Like, it's just, you're, it's that whole, it, the block to me is more of a self-doubt thing than it is a lack of creativity thing. Because it's just, oh, I can't make anything good, is what you're telling yourself. It's not that it's not that you can't make anything. It's just whatever I'm making, it's not satisfactory. Satisfactory. It's not really. Goose is being goose again. Uh, it's not really that you're not making anything, even of worth. It's just you don't feel like it's worth it. Uh, a long time ago, I came. I you know I made an Instagram. And then I deleted it. And then a person who I knew made me an Instagram and told me I had to get back on it. And I didn't get it because I didn't feel like everybody was doing all their stuff. And I didn't feel like um, the dog's ticking around back here. Um, I didn't feel like what I was making was any good. And I just kept posting things. And people liked it. And they kept going. And I realized I am my worst critic contrary to some of my actual critics um i am my worst critic and i have to let go of that sometimes like it's it's so easy to just beat yourself up trying to make the best thing when in actuality what you're making is really really good it's just not what you had envisioned you know yeah i think i definitely agree with that i also think that and maybe you don't, you don't have to make something that you necessarily hate, but you do have to just make. Because, I mean, if you're not saying anything, then you're not saying anything. You know, if you're not painting anything, then you're not making anything. So there's nothing getting put out there. And that's even, that, that can be almost, you know, more frustrating than not having something that you want to paint or write or do it or draw or make or cook or whatever it is. You just, you don't do anything. And so you just feel stagnant. And that's awful if you have, like, you know, creative energy that you're not using. Uh, something else I started doing was... Um, I don't necessarily delete stuff right away. And so if in your case, I guess that would be, you don't like paint over something right away or I don't rip something up right away. Uh, either, I keep nodding. This is not helpful on a podcast. I know. Uh, if you, if you set something down, uh, you, you can come back to it. If you tear it up or destroy it or blot it out, then it's gone. So, I, and I actually got this from, you know, the national novel ready month, which I did last year. And, and it was really hard for me to sit down and make myself, Right, but something I learned to do, and a little bit, I'll say it's a cheat because it's about your word count, and I didn't get rid of my words by, you know, deleting them and and getting rid of stuff I hated. But I, I would indent like you know new paragraph and keep writing, so the things that I wasn't certain about or didn't feel great about were not gone, but they were you know moved aside, 
And if I decided that I wanted to go back and use it, it was something I could still go back and use. If I went, oh, that line works here now, or oh, that plot point works here now, then I could still do it. And if it wasn't useful in the end, then I could delete it. You can get rid of it. You can scrabble it out or scrub it out. But like, you can, you know, you, you can get to it. You can get back. If you have a line or a, a face or a figure that you're not sure about and you're going to blot it out, I mean, maybe consider don't. Maybe leave it alone or, or set the page aside just in case you, you want that concept for later so it doesn't get away like you have in your own notes or something. That's helped me a lot. It helps me think that like, and I can go back on it sometimes even if I've set it aside and not used it for something specific and reread and look over and say maybe this is, you know, with fresh eyes and not being in the pits of creative despair. This isn't the worst thing and you can look at it. So my whole thing is just to push through and also maybe not just throw things in the trash right away even though that's my inclination i think that's almost every artist or every creator's inclination when they when they make something and it's not super pretty they want to throw in the garbage immediately i um, bullied myself of that, out of that out of that alternative by only using gigantic paper that costs lots of money and <laughs> only using ink and never pencils so that i was forced to follow through on every single brush stroke that i made and if i didn't like it then i had to cover it up by making putting the work in and doing it but it was my way of kind of just not going through an entire sketch pad and just going like, nope, rip, hate it. Nope, rip, hate it. Nope, rip, hate it. I make it a point to try to finish each and every single one of them, even if I don't like them, and I'll put them to the side. And sometimes I seriously still just hate them, and it's just what it is. I don't know if it's me having kind of a shit fit with myself or if it's something else on that nature, but it's just... You got to do it sometimes, you know, like you'll, you'll drive yourself fucking crazy if you if you're constantly just judging yourself on something that in all honesty, like it's devastating to you, but it might be a masterpiece to somebody else. And, you know, people say they don't care about that, but like it, it has worth. It really does. I, oof, no, I'm choked up. I'm not I'm not crying. I promise you guys. I know it's like the exact thing that people say they're crying. Um, but no, I, I definitely story. chill out. Uh, the, the, see, I, I have to agree with that just because like, I don't know. I've had articles that I've written cause you know, that's something new that I kind of gotten into in the past couple of years is, is doing it for more of an analytical thing. Cause surprise, surprise, I write and talk a lot. Um, but there have been articles and things that I've hated writing. Like I've just been like, ugh, this is. Ugh, it's trash and there's that's not worth anything and people have liked it a lot i've had ones that like plagued me that i had to like pull my hair out for and just like like squeeze every little bit of what i had out of it and i just still at the end of it felt like maybe i'm not making my point maybe i'm not getting across what i need to get across and it's been you know it's gotten better responses than i expected so i know that's kind of a cliche and people don't like that but it's true sometimes sometimes the things that you like despair over writing and and can't stand writing or painting or making um are some of the things they that people love I've, I've had that with with writing i've had that with with art i've had that with food i've had meals i've made that i thought were disgusting and people were like this is the best thing i've ever had and i'm like you're a psychopath but you know i made it they liked it and it, it's out there in the world so i i'm definitely about that too to keep up mm. with with doing that even if it's not something that's your favorite sometimes it can you know become something useful that's actually pretty cool. I agree with that. All right, so I'm going to tell you guys a painter file story because, you know, that's what we do on this. But before I brust into it, I'm going to ask you, Alec, a question. Okay. 
And I need you to think about it until the painter file story is over, and then I need you to come up with an answer. Okay. It's going to take me a while to tell the story because I'm long-winded and kind of ridiculous. But <laughs> I need you to think about it. Uh, of your favorite artists, who would you say is the most memorable to you? Artist. No, painter file story. No, no, like, 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 wait, 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 wait. Artist, like, like painter or like artist, writer, any creative type or just like any creative type. Oh, that's really hard. Painter, fine. Painter. It's painter files. Painter. All right, I'll think about painter. I'll think about. All right, so let me see. Hmm, painter file story. All right, so I remember being in art school, and it was my second semester. I'm there. I may have told you guys this story, but I'll be more elaborate this time. Um, it was the first time we'd really taken, like, a figure drawing class. So we're there, and we're, like, drawing, and we're doing all these things. We did, like, potted plants for a couple days. And then we started doing figure models. And these were, like, people. So the first one was, like, this extremely old, robust man. <laughs> Uh, we drew, uh, we drew them in charcoal on newsprint paper and it made that kind of ocean sound. Just a bunch of people with these giant boards. It looked like those classroom, uh, pictures they, those in movies where they show like a figure drawing class. Like it was cliche. The only difference was there was nothing but sunlight. They didn't have actual light lights in the room except for, like, lamps occasionally. So they could do it so they could change the shadows up. So we're drawing this. We're drawing this old man. We're all laughing because, you know, this is the first time we've really sat in a room full of other people and stared at someone naked sitting in a chair. This old man was not at all bashful. So he is leg spread. You can see sweat glistening off of his body. Uh, it was a bit much, not going to lie. But our professor got really uh, mad at us, actually. Because she said we drew people like they were Ken and Barbie dolls. They had no genitalia. So we had to spend an entire 30 minutes drawing this guy's dick. <laughs> so that was kind of a bit much. Uh, the second time we had the class, we ended up drawing this uh, larger black woman. Who was probably, I don't know, she's probably like in her 50s or so. And she was... The funny thing was, like, she was more what you expected to draw in the class. But because we had had the old man before, the old man apparently had been, like, a bodybuilder at one point in time. Because he hit all these, like, crazy, like, uh, Athenian poses. <laughs> so we get to this woman, and we have her. And she is not at all flexible. She is not at all... She's more grumpy than she is anything. Uh, so we draw her. We've gotten past this point of not being able to draw genitalia. So we're drawing, we're drawing all the, the bits and crevices and everything. And, uh, we have them for about a month, switching back and forth. Um, and then, to my surprise, one of my high school classmates shows up. <laughs> and we had to draw her. That was weird, because this is someone who I'd gone to school with, since I was in middle school. So it was just kind of like this really kind of freaky thing. And I'm drawing them and no one else knows. Her and I know that we know each other. And uh, she's, she's literally like, she only lives like four blocks away from where I was living at the time. In my childhood house. So it was just kind of funny. Like we go on break and we do all that stuff. And I go up and I go, oh hey man, how's it going? And she's like, oh man, I thought it was you. 
And so the rest of the class period, uh, I'm trying not to lock eyes with her at any point because it suddenly becomes extremely awkward. <laughs> because it's just like, uh, I'm not supposed to know what you look like naked. This is weird. And uh, I'm laughing in my head. I'm drawing her. She's staring directly at me the whole time. It's the most awkward thing ever. And we're just like, I'm just drawing and I'm doing these things. And the class ends. She walks over and she says, wow, I've never seen anyone draw me like a black girl before. (laughs) This girl uh, was this very, very, very pale girl. Very pale white girl with blue eyes and like a blonde, like super fro, I guess is the best way it can be described. Um, it was just, it was, it was hilarious and awkward and just weird. And it took me a while to come to the understanding through having to draw my own friend. Um, and then having to see her, see my work and to see how I saw her with my hands and pens and whatnot. That like my style was to draw full lips and big nostrils and the eyes because I had done everything via the way the professor had taught me to do it, which was to draw the face first and then try and fit the face inside of it and do all these things that it was just like this super like surreal moment trying to not focus on how to draw someone but also not be noticed by the person while drawing them. And it was just this clusterfuck of just over-intense, problematic things. And it wasn't probably until about two weeks to three weeks later, she had an epileptic seizure while we were painting her. And she fell on the ground, busted her head open, and lost a tooth. It was insane. Like, no one knew what to do. There were a bunch of uh, older people who had been taking the class also, and they had already, like, popped out their phones, and they were calling 911 and all these things. And it was just this crazy, crazy thing. And I remember talking to her about, about it, like, a couple months later at a house party a friend of mine had from high school. And it was just one of those things where she asked me if she could have one of the drawings that I did of her, And I said, sure. So I I pulled one out of the trunk of my car. And then she showed me a room. Because apparently she was a roommate with a person who was having the party, which I didn't know. um, Where it was just her room was full of all these drawings from all these art classes that she had been in. Of portraits of herself by all these artists. And she had me sign it. And then she put it up on the wall. And she's like, yours is the most unique. Because yours is more the way you see me than the way you thought the teacher wanted you to draw me. And I don't know, it it stuck with me for a little while. It was that whole exploration of style and figuring out things. And I mean, somewhere in the middle of that, I had to take a break because I'd literally just been drawing nonstop and painting my whole life. I took a break basically, I think, when I was 22 till I was about 25 because I just couldn't... I I wanted to be more than just like a painter. I didn't, it was something about, I I couldn't handle the idea of just being this thing that everyone expected me to be. And as time went by, I slowly kind of realized that like, it wasn't that everyone expected me to be it. It was that I had a real passion for it and they were happy for me. 
and just you know think about that like you may be someone who's very creative and wants to do things and you feel like this is how you've always been and people expect you to be this and people expect you to be that but you may it may just be that people see that you take a genuine joy in what you do and there's nothing wrong with just being okay with that and enjoying it and just continuing to make and just appreciate it yeah stories <laughs> no uh i i think it's funny because like i've worked so hard to just paint the way i paint and not care anymore about anything else and that's kind of where my style came from i see all these artists who like they're constantly they're young and some of them are even old they're still trying to establish the style in which they make or they're trying to have this aesthetic that can fit in any situation or any type of thing and like that's not necessarily what you have to do with yourself like just just make just always be making always keep making do it because you love it not because you feel like you have to realize that you know like i said before the story um you may not love every single brush stroke but in the end, like, you may love the painting. So, yeah. Stuff and things and stuff stuff. Because things why. That's why. So, Alec. <laughs> Who did you decide of the painters is your favorite painter? <laughs> I have a really hard time with this. And I am going to be the jerk uh, person who will not pick one i'm gonna say two all right because that's fine. i had them stuck in my head we don't follow rules here we say fucking shit all the time come on now. that's not <laughs> rules that's those are total rules there's no rules against swears but you said you put parameters down and i'm not going to follow them that's so. fair that's right. the most parent thing you could do i mean they're basic though it's nobody who's people are like they're oh. not basic they're 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 classics, but they're not. That doesn't make they're, them basic. It's, it's Somebody basic. spent their whole life working making it's, art. It's basic, but it's and it's ones that nobody's gonna have to look up. But it's fine. And if you do have to look it up, that's cool because I'll be excited that somebody's not you know didn't know everything about the stuff. But people who are painters who I admire and who I think are some of the greats, uh, I love Frida Kahlo. Mm. A lot. I know that I'm sure you've talked about her. She is a big fan. We are a big fan of her on the podcast. I love Frida Kahlo a lot. I love the way that she she put a lot of stuff into her artwork that nobody else is going to put in there. Miscarriages, infertility, um, infidelity, um, you know, her experiences in that. I don't remember if she put a lot of her... um, her bisexuality in there, but she's also bisexual, and I'm a huge fan of that. Mm, there's one or two paintings yeah. that I think they're. Um, but also, you know, that is a, you know something that's very close to my heart. Her, like I said, her struggles with infertility uh, that she put it right in her art. She wasn't afraid to do that. I'm a huge fan of that, and I'm a huge fan of her just kind of laying it all out there. Some of it I know that was because it was the only way she knew how to do it. But that's kind of what a lot of creative types do. Um, so that that was one. Um, and then the other one, they've just been on my mind lately because uh, we watched the movie that was on Hulu, uh, Loving Vincent. Uh, I love Vincent Van Gogh. That was a great movie. Um, it was a really great movie. Uh, if you haven't watched it, you should. Not just because it's really beautiful and it, it took them so much work to just make it. I mean, that's exactly why I would tell you to watch it. Well, yeah, for you, <laughs> for me, because, you know, writing. It's a great story about people trying to learn maybe more about him. And it, it starts off with trying to figure out, you know, what may have happened to him. Uh, as far as his suicide goes, but it also, it's not 
solely about that. It becomes less about that and more about him and his, you know, contact with people around him in his life in his later years. So I thought it's beautiful. I think he put out a lot of beautiful work, um, which was kind of beautifully tragic. I keep saying beautiful a lot, but because he was often depressed. Good word. He's often depressed and struggling with his mental health. And sometimes I, I feel just from my way of relating to it that with all the crazy in his head that sometimes the only thing he could put out that was nice was some of the things he painted and even if that wasn't even they weren't always even cheery but he could put out something beautiful in spite of the not so pretty things going on in his head so I've I've always really liked him and you know thinking about him is it makes me sad but it also it it puts me in a kind of good introspective place so those are my two Mm -hmm. I remember when we started dating originally uh, a friend of mine told me a very grizzled old man who's very grumpy. They weren't told grizzled. Who <laughs> I think you're saying that's not nice. He said. Uh, he said, "Are you gonna? How are you gonna learn how to uh, paint being happy now?" And I stopped, and I was confused. And he said, "You've literally painted this whole time being like this very like stoic, sad person, and like you're super happy now." Are you still going to be able to paint, or are you going to be one of those artists who like sabotages themselves emotionally so they can be this dark and mysterious painter? And I remember just laughing, and I was like, you know what? If I can't paint when I'm happy, then I'm not a good artist. And I kind of stuck with that. I just uh, I, f- I found a way. The creativity's always there. It's just figuring out a way to kind of grasp it. It's that concept to reality aspect. And just going for it. I have to say painting or creating when you're miserable is completely overrated. Yeah. I I think it's a really, really, really stupid. I I wouldn't uh, go back I wouldn't go back to it. It's just I mean not everybody can do it, but I just I don't know anybody who's like if it's like you said, I mean I get some people have that like anxiety depression melancholy muse thing going on and some people can really do it but it's not sustainable and if you can find a way to create when you're happy it's always better than the alternative i'm sorry like that whole like artist it's tragic and their hair hangs in their face like that's not i mean my hair does hang in my face not really you tie it back i do i'm sorry am i wrecking the image no no it's fine it's fine i'm a real person people know people see me places I'm just saying, I don't feel I have. I have this dark, brooding idea of you, and I don't want them. I don't want it ruined. But that's not necessarily how it goes. No, I get that. So, guys, I've been working on this painting uh, a couple last couple days. Uh, I've just been reading about everything that's been happening with uh, the kids in the internment camps that uh, they've been putting them in, who are immigrant children. And I've just been painting. I've been thinking about it, and I had to paint something about it. So I painted this little boy. He's not wearing a shirt. He doesn't have shoes on. He just has a pair of pants and a scruffy haircut. And then there's, like, this crow that's standing in front of him. And it's part of him, but it's also in front of him. And it's just, I I made it because I wanted to make a statement, but I also wanted to just immortalize the seriousness of the situation because like one day this won't be a thing but i don't want people to forget that it was a thing i feel like with all the stuff that goes on constantly and the news and stupid twitter and crap like that that it's easy to forget about one day the seriousness of something 
in lieu of something else crazy that comes out five days later or the next day. And so I feel like art oftentimes outlasts emotion on a lot of things for people. Ooh, that's good. I should use that again. <laughs> uh. <Nah>. um, <laughs> this is how it comes. This is how it comes to me. Um, I monologue, and then suddenly I find myself brilliant on these minuscule moments. And then I totally disbelieve in it a minute, immediately after I say You should write that down. I say it. Um, no, but it's just these... When I think of those kids and I read those stories, it makes me think of Marley. And when I think of Marley, it makes me think of like how much love and how much sadness and just but more about the love than anything else like the the love of a of a parent and just a friend or a sibling or anything of that nature is very special and to see these children who are you know they love they love all that they've known and then they're thrown in these situations and there's reports that like some have been like molested and some have been abused and some have been one one even died you know and it's just and you don't see it in the news as much as you see it on like little reports and whatnot from papers and stuff like that and it's just i don't know i need art to document the good but also the bad like we i feel like painters are often painters and writers are oftentimes the historians of what actually happened they're told from the perspectives oftentimes of the victims uh, and the people who know the victims as opposed to, I feel like a lot of mainstream stuff, like it tells you what's shocking and what's kind of like in the now, but it doesn't really tell you about the leftovers of how it affects people later. And I feel like the art tells you how it affects people later. So yeah. I brought this all down, and that is what I do. <laughs> I'm a huge downer, and you just have to I deal with it. I don't think you're a downer. We're just talking about current work you're working on. Not all work is happy work. It's not that you're not happy to do it, but mm. not all the subject matters are happy. So that's just how it is sometimes. I don't think you're a downer. Sorry, I'm dispelling, <laughs> dispelling. This is true. Artist mythos. True. I'm taking she, it down brick by brick on she won't purpose. Let me, she won't let me bury myself in my in my in my self pity. I mean, if you want to put on like you know some really dreary music and don't, I'm asking you not to. I see you queuing stuff up. Don't queue things up. Don't queue some sad some sad stuff up. There we go. Um, <laughs> I could sing some eighty, some sad eighty songs. No, we don't. No, nope, not gonna do it. And ruin it nope, because nope. you don't have a license. No, so. that's not fair. That's okay then. That's we're not gonna do that. It's a horrible threat. Um, <laughs> hmm. Things, things to say. Um, the art book is going well. Thank you to everybody who's purchased a copy or even checked it out. Um, I can always use more reviews on iTunes. And also on the uh, website, so feel free to do so. Even if you just check it out, that'd be super awesome. I'll put it a, a link in the description so you can check everything out. Um, I want to thank Alec for coming on to the podcast. You are the first official guest of the podcast. I had to come a very long way. This is I hope you're comping my parking I, and my hotel. I am doing all those things from here to said couch, yes. 
Don't tell them I sit on a couch. <laughs> That's none of their business. I will, I will fill up many glasses of water for you. It will be amazing. I have my own one. I'm drinking. I'm drinking... I won't say the name. I don't want to sponsor them. Yes, I'm drinking right. some a sparkling bottled a, water a, that starts with the P. And if they want to give us money, they can though. That's true. I will. I will accept money. From, you can give us money. From water place. Area pay. Is that how you do pig life? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I don't, I'm not familiar. Maybe. Oh well, let's go there. We won't worry about it. Never mind. Let's go there. Um, <laughs> so, I hope you guys had fun. This was really fun for me. I hope Alec had fun. Oh, I can't smile. I just smi- she, I she smiled. I'm sorry. She's, uh, she's, she's new to this. You have to understand. She's, oh, she's really? <laughs> now, Alec's actually going to start her own podcast eventually. Um, would you like to tell them the name of your podcast? If I do, and it shows up somewhere else, that I, is about point. I know where to look. So it, I'm not it will be very fun. It's, it's about, very funny. It's about Geralt from... Uh, the Witcher. <laughs> it's going to be all about. It's a ridiculous joke that we keep making Geralt, about it. Which, it's if you listen to the podcast, not about Carol. If it ever exists, I will say it's about Carol, but it's not about Carol. It's not about Carol. Um, no, it's just it's a, it's, it's a special it's a special character, and uh, how it relates to a lot of things, uh, common day as well as you know other type of historical things. Keep it vague. It's gonna be. It's, it's light. It's light. It's a light description. It's light. It's like this is a toast. One spread, not two. One schmear. One schmear. Um, yeah. So, I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We we hit forty three. <laughs> I wonder what fifty is gonna be like. This will be crazy. Achy knees. Uh, Achy knees. Um, eczema probably. It'll be great. Is that when people get liver spots? I don't know. I don't think... I don't know if there's an age, really, for liver spots. I, it doesn't actually have to do with age. No. I know that. Well, I also know it doesn't actually... It's not a, it's not a dangerous thing about your liver, either. No. It's, I think it's about sun exposure. Oh, okay. Look that up. So it's it, not about... So it's not in, about... Uh, right in the comments. Yes. Someone explain Someone explain liver, liver spots to me. About liver spots. Uh, you're all very smart, and you're much more dedicated to finding out things than I, I can't am. dictate this, but if you so. explain something good about liver spots, you can get a shadow of the next one. Or he'll forget, and he won't say anything this is also, about it. This is also true. So. Um, but like I said, love you guys. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, we're gonna keep doing stuff like this, obviously. Uh, who knows? Maybe Alec will come back. Maybe, uh, maybe we'll get a different guest. I don't know. Um, but, uh, maybe it'll be Alec with a mustache. You won't know what she has a mustache on, but you'll hear it in my inflection. You'll you'll hear like a rustle, maybe. That'll be what it'll be. Um, but yeah, have a good one, guys. Be nice to yourselves, be nice to each other, and as always, paint her out. Ciao.